0: All right, guys, uh, listen, I'm doing an experiment with you guys. Uh, the second service, uh, we are leaving for youth camp, including myself. We're leaving, we're supposed to, the bus is supposed to be pulling out at 1230, Service starts at 1115. I have to be done by 1215 to give us 15 minutes for people to grab their younger children, get out with their older children, and pray with them as we get on the bus. So I'm going to see if I can preach a four-point sermon in the amount of time that it takes to get out of here and make that happen. So if we're not out by 1245, i failed miserably, and I must talk faster in the second service. All right, so hang with me here. I need you to do two things. One, I need you to grab a Bible if you have one. We were in Matthew chapter 22 this morning. Uh, Matthew chapter 22, uh, starting in verse 34, and we'll go through 40. Uh, Also, uh, we would love for you to take notes. We think worship is a participatory sport. That means that when we sing, we sing, when we pray, we pray, when we give, we give, and when we study scripture, we actually study, uh, which means taking notes so that we can learn. So uh, we've, got, um, we've got sermon notes uh, in the bulletin, or you can uh, use our digital notes, and you just, again, camera app, scan QR code, I'm going to let you get set up, uh, whichever method you choose, and I'm going to pray for our time in God's word. Father, thank you for loving us. I thank you um, for this time in the service where we get to center ourselves around what your word says. God, our lives are bombarded with different voices telling us what to do. But what we need is to hear your voice above them all. So help our spirits get quiet and still. And Holy Spirit, speak. Holy Spirit, you're the teacher of this church. We ask that you would come and take your place in our pulpit. And that you would show us Jesus from the inside out. In his name we pray. Amen. 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 Guys, uh, I'm in Matthew chapter 22, uh, starting in verse... 34, uh, and and the Pharisees and the Sadducees have been questioning Jesus. This is towards the end of His public ministry. They're wanting to catch Him. Uh, That's what they're trying to do. They're trying to set Him up. So they've been asking these, what they think are hard questions. So Jesus has already fended off the Pharisees once. Then came the Sadducees asking about the resurrection. He fended them off. Here come the Pharisees again. Uh, And it says this in verse 34, When the Pharisees heard that He had silenced the Sadducees, they came together and And one of them, an expert in the law, asked a question to test him. Teacher, which command in the law is the greatest? That's what we're talking about this summer. uh, What Jesus has to say about being the greatest. We don't just want to be a good church. We want to be a great church. Right? What does greatness in the kingdom look like? That's what we're studying. So, he, 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 he comes and he says, Teacher, which command in the law is the greatest? He said to him, Jesus speaking... Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your mind. This is the greatest and most important command. The second is like it. Love your neighbors, yourself, which we'll talk about in a few weeks. So, greatest command, what is it? Uh, love the Lord your God with all of your heart, all of your soul, all your mind. So, four things I want to share with you guys. I'm going to move kind of quickly, but here they are. Number one, I want you to understand. Um, people ask a lot, what's the most important thing I could do as a believer? Right, so here it is. Number one. The greatest thing you can do as a believer is be steadfast in your commitment to make God your top priority. That's the number one thing you could do, right? Be steadfast and, and committed in making God the most important thing in your life. That, that is the number one thing you could do. What do I need to do? Do I to, do? I need How many times do I need to show up at church? Uh, how, how, wh- wh- what Bible passage should I read? Which study should I be in? You need to make God your priority. That needs to be a commitment in your life, not just a passion in your life. It needs to be something you say, hey, this is my goal, is to make God a priority. I'm committed to it. I'm not just semi-passionate about it for a season, but, but I'm, I'm going to be committed to it. That is the number one thing you can do. So let's look at the question and the answer. Matthew twenty two thirty six 36 through 38. Teacher, which command of the law is the greatest? Now that word in the Greek is megas, or where we, that's where we get our word mega, uh, and it refers to both size. It refers to size and to weight. So, so the greatest, the, the biggest command, the weightiest commandment in all of scripture, what is it? Uh, and, and Jesus replies, love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind. That's the greatest, that's the megas, uh, most, and, and the most important, uh, protos, that means first in time and place. That should be the first thing you worry about. That should be the first thing in time and place. That's, that's it, Right? Now, there's some other words we should know here, right? Uh, he says, with all of your heart, and with all of your soul, and with all of your mind. All is used three times. That word all, right, is, is hollow. It's where we would get our word whole, right? So we're supposed to be loving God, God with, our, with our whole heart, with our whole soul, with our, with our whole mind, not just part of it, right? And I know you're thinking all, all and whole are different words to me. I don't know why. I, I, it's just easier for me to get around all. I can't get around whole right? I can't take a piece of the pie and be like, well, the whole pie is still there. I could take a piece and go, well, well, all the pie is left, you know, I, I, but I can't do it with whole. I, it, it's harder for me. And, and so he says, with my whole heart, with my whole mind, with my whole soul. And then he says, and, and I'm, what am I doing with those things? I'm loving, right? And, and the word, again, in the Greek, it, it's agapos, right? And, and, and it's, it's this agape love. It's this love from God. It is not a, a love that is passionate, It's not a love that is just about a moment, right? It is a faithful love. It is a sheer commitment of the will. And that's the heart of Jesus' response. What's the most important thing you can do as a child of God? Be committed to Him. Be faithful to making Him a priority in your life. Not just a priority, the top priority. That means that we are committed to spending time talking to Him. That we are committed to spending time figuring out what He wants us to do, that we are committed to then doing what He wants us to, that we are committed to spending our lives looking for where He's at work and then joining Him in that work, right? Number one thing we can do, the greatest thing we can do is to be steadfast in our commitment to make God our top priority. But this means some things. Second point, this means that everything we do should be centered around Him, right? This means, right, if, if the first thing we could do is be steadfast in our commitment to make God our top priority, this means that everything we do should be centered around Him. So let's go on in, in the response. Again, Matthew 22:37. 37. Uh, Jesus said to him, Love the Lord your God with all of your heart. Right? With the whole of your heart. Now, the word for heart in Greek, it means the center of all physical and spiritual life. That's what it means. The heart. The center of all physical and spiritual life. Jesus says that's what you're going to have to do. That your, your life is going to, be, have to have to be centered around God. Like, like, like the center of it. We talked about uh, this verse last week, but I wanted to read it to you uh, this morning. I'm in Colossians 1, and I just want to read verse 15 through uh, 20-ish. Uh, If you've got your Bibles, if you want to read with me, that's fine. I'm getting Colossians 1 starting in verse 15. It says, He, speaking of Jesus, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation, for everything was created by Him in heaven and on earth, the visible, the invisible, whether thrones or dominions, rulers or authorities, all things have been created through Him, and get this, and for Him. He is before all things, and by Him all things are held together. He's also the head of the body, the church. He's the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, so that he might come to have first place in everything. Right? I don't know about your Bible. Mine has a little subheading there. Anybody got their Bible open? What does your subheading say for that section starting in verse 15? Come on, you can speak out in church. It's okay. The supremacy of Christ. That's a good one. Mine says the centrality of Christ. The centrality of Christ. Everything was made through him. Everything was made by him. Everything was made for him. And this text says that he holds everything together. Uh, there is a passage in the Old Testament uh, where God is speaking to Job. And he says, he says to Job, who do you think tells the oceans where to stop? He says, I'm holding them back. Right, I'm holding them in their place. And listen, this is Christ's place in our life. He should be central. And if He is, if we'll allow Him to be, He, no matter what storms life may throw at us, will indeed hold us together too. Right, He'll hold us together too. So the greatest thing we can do is be steadfast in our commitment to make God our top priority. This means everything we do should be centered around Him. Third thing I would share with you is that our desires are a great indicator of our love for God. Our desires are a great indicator of our love for God. So we've covered loving God with all of our heart. The next thing up, verse 37, he says, Love your God uh, with all, with the whole of your soul. The whole of your soul. Again, that word in in the Greek is, uh, it's pronounced in Greek, it's pronounced suhe, but if I were to write it out for you, it would sound like psyche or psyche, right? That's a word we use a lot, our psyche, right? But it's translated the breath of life, the soul, or get this, the seat of feeling and desires. Your soul is the seat of all of your desires, right? So I, I, I wanted to just be clear this morning. So this week I was looking up, I was like, well, what, what does desire mean, right? Really, what is it? I mean, I kind of feel like I know what a desire is, like something I really want. But what is it? What, what is it? What's the definition of desire? And the definition of desire is a strong feeling of wanting to have something. That's what a desire is. It's just a strong feeling of want for something. That's a desire. And so I'm telling you this morning, our desires are great indicators of our love for God because our soul is the seed of our desires, right? And, and so you would, how, how's my love for God? I don't know. What do you desire? Because that'll show you. How, that, that's a good litmus test for how your love for God is, right? So I have to ask you a question this morning. What do you strongly want to have right now? Yesterday before you walk through the doors of the church and you started thinking churchy answers because you guys are just like kids Okay, we just finished up Bible school. You'd ask kids an answer day one and they were like Lollipops right by day three you ask them a question. They're like Jesus. They've got it figured out, right? They're They're in church. It's God Jesus or the Bible. That's the correct answer So when I know when I ask you, what do you desire the most? You know what you're supposed to say? Well, God God is first. You said that was the first part of the sermon. Surely that's what it is. I want you to be honest, though. What is it that you desire right now? We, we've been having all kinds of conversation. We now have five licensed drivers and four vehicles. We've got a problem, right? Yeah. I mean, just, and just keeping the four on the road is enough, okay? I mean, just the insurance and the tires and the ah, air conditioners. Oh, yeah, right? That, that's enough, but then we're having conversations. Should we buy another car? What do we do? How do we make it work? I don't know. So if you ask me, like, what is one thing you... I don't know. Maybe I desired another vehicle. Maybe that was something I was thinking in my mind and my heart, right? What were you desiring before you came through the doors? Because, guys, listen, this is, this is life. Here's Jesus, if he's in his rightful place, trying to hold us in, trying to keep us where we want, and here's the world just sucking us away, right? That's what it's just trying to suck us away. It's trying to make us desire things that don't matter, things that, that moth and rust will destroy, things that we can't take with us. That is that is life. So what do you desire? Is it God? Or is it something that'll just make you more comfortable in life? I want you to listen to some of the great people of faith. Uh, describe their desires. Now listen, these are not perfect people, by the way. These are people that blown it pretty big, right? One of them killed somebody. Another one uh, self-proclaimed doing things that he shouldn't do. Uh, didn't understand why. So, so the first one, uh, so Psalm 42 in your Bible, it may say it's attributed to the sons of Korah. A lot of scholars actually believe David wrote it. I'm one of those people that fall in that camp. And, uh, and so here's what it says, Psalm 42.1. As a deer longs for flowing streams, so I long for you, God. God, I am desperate for you. I long for you, is how David would describe his feeling towards God. Uh, the, the Apostle Paul, uh, Philippians 37 through. I could have grabbed about five different passages. This is the one that spoke to my heart the most this week. He says, but everything that was a gain to me, I've considered to be a loss because of Christ." More than that, I also consider everything to be a loss in view of the surpassing value of just knowing Christ Jesus as my Lord. Because of Him, I have suffered the loss of all things and consider them as dung." I could say that word differently in church, but we have children here. "...so that I might gain Christ." Right? Man, he desires Jesus, right? I would tell you our desires are a great indicator of our love for God so I guess what I'm saying is this what I'm asking is this tell me what you want what you really really want (laughs) because our desires absolutely are proof to what we really love right what do you want And it's okay that you came in this morning and you were wanting the wrong thing as long as you hear the Word of God and your heart is pricked and you go, ooh, maybe I should make some changes. We'll get there. Last thing, guys, last thing. I want you to know that in order to maintain our love and commitment to Christ, it is crucial that we win the war in our mind. Okay? In order to maintain our love and commitment to Christ, it is crucial that we win the war in our mind. So Jesus supposed to be at the center, the world trying to suck you away, and, uh, and it all starts in your mind, believe it or not. And, and, and so I just kind of want to, again, we're walking through the greatest commandment. It's love the Lord your God with all of your heart. Uh, it, it, that's, that's, listen, uh, that, that's important. It's with all of, of my soul. That's the seat of my desires. The heart is the centrality of all things. But then he says, with all of your mind. All right? Love the Lord your God with all of your, your mind. Um, I don't know how to break this to you this morning other than just to say it because it is absolute truth. Uh, you are at war. You are. I am at war. We, we. Are at war. That's that's how the Bible describes what life is. I I don't know if, if you thought life was supposed to be something different. I think a lot of people that uh, believe in Jesus. There's a whole movement out there that just say that oh follow Jesus, it'll all get better and it's all all going to be blessing and you know you're just you're just you're just going to sow in and he's just going to give back and and like they act like life with Jesus is like a you know happy skipping dance you know woo this is great um but the Bible actually teaches that that life isn't that way at all that life is actually a a battle and it's a it's a daily battle and that's what it is to follow jesus right and and so i I just want you to listen to what the apostle paul writes in second corinthians 10 3 through 5 he says for although we live in the flesh we do not wage war uh he's saying we're at war right we don't we don't wage war according to the flesh since the weapons of our warfare hello you are at war are you getting it we're at war Okay, there's a war going on. You've got weapons, right? The weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but they are powerful through God for the demolition of strongholds. We've been talking about this for weeks. We demolish arguments in every proud thing that is raised up against the knowledge of God and we take every thought captive to obey Christ. We are at war, right? Paul in another passage would say that he constantly does the things that he doesn't want to do. He said, I I, don't, I, don't, I hate myself. That's what he says. I hate myself. I'm constantly doing the things that I don't want to do and the things that I do want to do, I don't do. Oh, what a wretch I am, Paul says. And this passage explains why he is a wretch. It's because his mind is at war. Right? His mind is at war. There are strongholds going on. So what is a stronghold? Ready, y'all? A stronghold is when I think the wrong thing about God, about life, or about myself. And you have an enemy that's real, and he keeps... Putting stuff in your mind, and in your heart, and he's just shooting those arrows. He's just shooting them constantly at you. And so when one of those hits, and I start to think the wrong thing, then guess what? I start to do the wrong thing, then I start to feel the wrong way. And when I do the wrong thing, and I feel the wrong way, then it reinforces the wrong thought, which leads to more bad behavior, which leads to more, oh my gosh, so, Which And it becomes a stronghold, a cycle. And Paul says there is a key to breaking the cycle. Ready? Fight. That's the key. He says, capture every thought. Right? He says, take every thought captive. This is so key in our fight. What does it mean to take a thought captive? Ready? Literally, it would translate, bring it in submission to Christ. Take every thought that you have and say, "Here's, here's what I'm thinking about you, Jesus. Here's what I'm thinking about me. Here's what I'm thinking about life. And then you take that thought and you put it in submission to the Word of God. And you say, wait a second. But this says something else. So I'm going to take this thought I have. I'm going to take this feeling I have. I'm going to take these actions I've been doing. I'm going to surrender them to you. I'm going to lay them down before you. Right? And... Friends, it is the only way to victory. It is the only way to victory. So what do we do uh, with this message? I'm watching the time, y'all. I still got 11 minutes. Well, 10 and a half. We gotta fit announcements in, that's fine. Again, four things I'm gonna ask you to do. Number one, I wanna challenge you to make the commitment. I want challenge you to make the commitment. It all boils down, right? It all boils down to commitment, making him a priority. That's, that's a commitment. What is, what is Christian life about? It's making a commitment to make God your top priority. It's a commitment. So, so like in just a few hours, uh, the youth, we're, we're going to camp. It's going to be awesome. And it, it's going to be emotional. And we're going to cry. There's going to be some snot bubbles. And it's going to be great, Right? nothing like the snot bubbles that came. <laughs> they're awesome i love snot bubbles they're great right when god starts breaking our hearts and we're like oh my gosh i need you and it's awesome right and in that moment we're gonna go you're my everything and that is phileo love right that is the definition of the way that peter loved jesus jesus like peter uh, do you love me lord you know i love you he Jesus is asking, you agape me? Peter's going, I follow you! And he's like, no, do you agape me? I follow you! Do you agape me? No, and then finally he comes back. He's like, do you follow?" Yes, I follow." you. Okay, we'll start there, but I'm going to teach you agape love. Right? Because commitment is what it's all about. And so my prayer for these kids this week, this is how you should be praying for them this week, is that they have that passionate encounter with the Lord, but somehow through the week, by the teaching of the sponsors and through the work of the Holy Spirit, that they understand that that passion must turn into a daily commitment to make God first. But adults, the only way that works is that they come home and they're surrounded by a bunch of adults that are living the same way. I did student ministry too long to watch kids on fire for Jesus come back, and the very first week somebody got onto them for sitting on the floor instead of in a pew. How dare we? Right? Fan into flame, Paul says to Timothy. Fan into flame, don't extinguish, okay? So first and foremost, make the commitment. If you're one of those people, and I love you, I love that you love Jesus, but if you're one of those people that your spiritual life looks like this, Jesus, uh, Jesus, uh, Jesus, uh," like if that's you, that's cool, I'm glad you're here. That is most of us, we fall into that camp. But your goal is to stay consistent to daily, even on your worst days, to be, I'm so all in with Jesus. Man, I, He's my ride or die. Let's go. That's, that's, that's the commitment. Every day, Lord, what you say. I'm with you. I am for you. So make the commitment. Number two, got to measure that commitment regularly. you got to take an honest inventory on a regular basis. On a regular basis. Tell me what you want. What you really, really want. you got to take inventory, man. What, what do I want? What does that say about me? Right? Is Jesus really at the center? Right? Love, love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with your whole heart. Is he at the center of everything I'm doing right now? And if the answer is no, then you've got some options. Ready? Okay? So if he's not at the center, you've got to figure some stuff out. Right? You either need to cut it, you need to move it, or you got to change how you do it. Period. If Jesus, if you've got an activity in your life and Jesus is not at the center, either you need to cut it, you need to move it to a lower place, or you have to change why you're doing it. And so I, I, I'll use an example. Listen, um, I love sports. I played sports my whole life. It was important for me that my kids play sports. They learned teamwork. Uh, they learned hard work. All those things were really important to me as a dad. Um, and, and there's a great place for sports. Sports teaches tons of lessons. But you know all the hours you spend on the field? Parents, if you're not investing in other parents right? If they're not seeing Jesus in you, if you're never praying with kids, if you're never praying with them, if you're never a, a place that they could come, then what are you doing on the field? Right? I mean, I, I don't have a problem with you being on the field. Man, be on the field, but be Jesus on the field! Right? I mean, just take the gospel wherever you go. Be a light in every place you shine. I'm pretty sure that that's the Great Commission, right? As you are going, right? And so, so there's a way to do those things really, really well, and there's a way for the world to rip what is supposed to be meaningful away and it just becomes all about the sport itself, right? And, and, and it's not just sports. Y'all could use a million, a million examples. I'm just running out of time. So measure your commitment regularly. How regularly? Well, how often do you find yourself caring about things that don't matter? So pretty regularly. Here's the beautiful thing. We have technology, y'all. You can literally say, hey, Siri, set a reminder uh, for me to check out my life and see how I'm doing, and please set that up on a weekly occurrence. She's still, stop, stop, stop. She'll do it. Every week, you'll have a reminder. You want to do it once a month? That's cool. You want to do it once a quarter? Set it up, but be serious about it. Is, and ask yourself this question. Is Jesus at the center of everything I'm doing right now? Is he at the center of everything I'm worried If he's not, change it, okay? Three, move things to their proper place. Move things to their proper place. That's called reprioritizing, okay? You got to do it. So you got to, is everything right? If it's not right, I got to reprioritize. Top, bottom, blah, blah, blah. This is super biblical. Uh, Revelation chapter two, uh, yet I hold this against you. You people that are doing good stuff, Yet you've forsaken your first love. Remember the height from which you've fallen? Repent and go back and do the things you did at first. It's a reprioritization of things. And so, so we've got to do that. And lastly, you have to manage what's going on in your mind. You've got to manage what's going on in your mind. I have two minutes to wrap this up, so here it is. All right. Uh, number one, you've got to have a filter. Okay, write this down. This is important. This war is where it happens, your mind. Okay, so number one, you need a filter. The Bible says to test the spirits. So when I start thinking thoughts, I need to say, Lord, I I need to test that. What does your word say? So you're you're thinking a thought. Uh, The world is telling you what is right. The world is saying like, hey, you know what? Uh, I mean, you could pick a million today, right? But you are uh, however you feel. Like that's what defines you, your feelings. Well, what does the word say? Well, No, like I'm not whoever I feel. I'm who God made me to be. Uh, There are certain specifics about life right? And, 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 and there are defining roles for me. Uh, the Bible's very clear in this, right? Uh, the heart is deceitful above all else. I can't always trust my feelings. So listen, it's not that, that feelings altogether are bad, uh, but feelings are an indicator. Maybe something else is going on. So listen, I, I, I got I to gotta test the spirits. You got to test the spirits, okay? That's number one. Uh, number two, you got to take out the trash, okay? Ever heard the phrase garbage in, garbage out, okay? What kind of stuff are you taking in? I mean, dude, we take in all kinds of stuff. I, have you have you adults, have you gone back recently and just checked how much time you're on Netflix or you're driving in your car, listening to a podcast or I mean you name it, or sports radio. I like it football season comes around, I, I become a sports radio guy, I like to follow the Texans. I know it's hopeless. But I, I just, I, you know, I do. But it'll, it'll happen every season. Be like, oh, this is great. And then I'm, the channel I listen to, uh, we go through certain seasons. It's great. And then somehow they, they decide, hey, we're going to sell advertising uh, to a bunch of strip clubs. And guess what? That is my nope, can't listen to sports radio anymore moment. You can't. When it happens, I, I, I cannot allow that garbage into my life. It's like, like you, you just need to know. So what, what are you taking in? And then you're looking at your life going, oh, no wonder. Like if you are constantly spitting and, and, and spewing politics, I don't care which side of the aisle you're on. But if that's your whole life, blah, blah 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 guess what? That's because that's all you're taking in. you got a bunch of talking heads in your life saying that the world's going to come to an end if a certain person doesn't go into power, yet Jesus sits on his throne the whole time. Okay? Right? So I'm just I'm just telling you, like, garbage in, garbage out. So you're going to have to take out the trash. Lastly, then you're going to have to fill yourself with truth. You're going to have to fill yourself with truth. You're going to have to replace that emptiness. You don't replace that emptiness, and it'll come back, and it'll, it'll be worse than it ever was before. So you've got to fill it with truth. Good knowledge. Uh, worship music, y'all, is great. Listen to worship music all the time. It's hard to praise God and think bad thoughts, right? So worship music. Worship, worship, worship. Uh, good podcasts. Uh, things that are Jesus focused, that's always good. The Word of God, it's amazing. That's great. Sitting in front of the TV, watch The Chosen. Like, I'm there are so many great things that you can do to take in good stuff instead of the bad stuff, right? And then just see what God does, okay? Guys, I love you. I'm not trying to beat up on you, I'm trying to be in, in, in the battle with you. We want to be great we got to start with this commandment. we got to love God with our whole heart, with our whole mind, and with our whole soul. That's the command. And I believe you can do it, but I'm telling you right now, it's going to take work to make it happen. All right? Let me pray for you. Okay, would you bow your heads? Let's pray. Father, thank you for loving us. I'm going to pray a blessing upon these folks. There is much work to be done. Don't let church stop here. That's not the design. This message is meant to go with us. We're meant to talk about it as we sit down, as we rise, as we walk along the road. Do work, Holy Spirit. Do work only that you can. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.